Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Naker Nibblink. I'm the creator of Apples and Genos and originator of the Zero-G Draft Strategy. And in this podcast, Blake and I are going to talk about the biggest hot shots and have-nots of the last couple of weeks. Let's get it. And of course, I have your friend and my best friend, Blake Creamer, here with me. Blake, how are we feeling tonight? Happy New Year to you, my brother in fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it's 2024. That's insane. Um, the older I get, the faster time goes. I mean, I know that's cliche, but like, what the hell? I, I can't believe it's 2024. <laughs> um, it was a good day today. I was excited to watch a little winter classic, watch a little women's hockey. Oh yeah, buddy, it was a good day. How about you? How was your New Year's? It was great. Yeah, I'm excited again for another new year as well. It was a great way to kick it off. I didn't catch the Winter Classic, but I did watch the women's game. I was able to watch it with my five-year-old daughter, and yeah, it was it was really special. I didn't expect it, but I was I was getting a little choked up watching it and seeing the seeing the kids, the the little girls in the line for the game, and they've got all their signs. Thanks for paving the way and. Yeah, I'm just uh, excited that this league exists and that there's just more opportunity for uh, young girls like my daughter. So it was a pretty special day for me here today as well. But Nice work, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, we need to get into some newsies. We need newsies. to give the people what they came here for. Let's get it. Kuro Kaprizov. Uh, sounds like he's going to be out one or two weeks after that Brendan Dillon cross-check in the back. Uh, it could be worse. Could be Philip Gustafson, his teammate, who's probably going to be out longer than that. He was placed on IR, going for another MRI. Sounds like at least two weeks as of now. Uh, definitely, obviously, the correct thing to do is to pick up Mark Andre Fleury and roster him. But it, it's tough, right? Kaprizov is going to be out for most of that as well, and he's uh, definitely the top offensive player i think maybe you expect matt boldy will get skated like 25 minutes a night at this at this point because uh they need him but yeah definitely gonna be some tough times for the wild upcoming and definitely you can keep an eye also on the wilds goalie prospect jesper wallstedt see if he gets called up this is a guy that's been expected to be one of the next big things if and when he arrives on the nhl stage so um if he does get called up and he's performing well. He could get a little bit of run. They might just decide to see what they have in him at the NHL level right away. Who knows? Something to keep an eye on for sure. Stranger things have happened when it comes to goalies, that's for sure. Speaking of goalies, we have good news for the Washington Capitals. It sounds like the Charlie Lindgren injury is not as bad as once was feared. He's definitely going to miss the two early games this week for the Capitals, Tuesday, Wednesday, but still a possibility for Friday. So that's a, uh, much better than the original um, when it sounded like they can miss multiple weeks uh, just based on the coach's comments after the game. Uh, the other player that was injured in that game was Martin Fehervari, and he's now day-to-day, -day, uh, could play on Tuesday. Uh, so he's potentially back even sooner. 
Oh, she's still day to day. There hasn't been a lot of information there. So you're going to have to just kind of keep an eye out. Uh, I, my guess just because of the lack of information is that he's probably going to be out for most of this week yet. But uh, definitely if he does come back and he is out there in your league and you can snap him up for some of these off night games this week, you should definitely be watching out for that. And bunch of other players are all day-to-day with very little information. Justin Falk, Troy Terry, Ross Colton, uh, kind of around the league. Troy Terry doesn't play till Wednesday, uh, so he probably has some time here to get himself back together if it is truly just a, a small thing and a day-to-day type thing. So hopefully he's back in time. But uh, yeah, there's a few of those kicking around where you don't really have a lot of information, so you're going to have to be on top of those situations. A couple of goalies got placed on waivers and cleared. Ilya Samsonov for the Maple Leafs and Eric Comrie for the Sabres. So for the Maple Leafs, you expect that it's just going to be Martin Jones' time. He's going to get all the run. Uh, Apparently, Sheldon Keefe said he could get both starts in their upcoming back-to-back, and that would be an interesting uh, interesting place to be for the Maple Leafs to be, starting Martin Jones on both sides of a back-to-back in the year of our Lord 2024, but uh, here we are. <laughs> I Go picked Leafs. them up, Nate. Did you? I did, yeah. You oh, yeah. We're riding the Martin Jones. Buddy, who the hell is Dennis Hildeby? What t- what's going on? You mean the Hildebeast? Hildebeest. Uh, oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, been all over Twitter. I can't take credit. That's not an original, but uh, <laughs> it's a it's a good one. He's been playing well with uh, with the Marlies, from what I gather. So, uh, I yeah, it doesn't sound like he's going to be a major part of their immediate plans. It sounds like Martin Jones is going to be the guy for now. But uh, yeah, you can keep an eye out. If Martin Jones falters, they'll have no choice. And you know, as I said before, stranger things have happened. It's goalies in the NHL. Uh, over in Buffalo, though, it's going to be the Devin Levi and Uko Pekalukkanen show. I think they're probably going to split time for the most part. I would expect that Levi would earn most of that work just because I think he's probably a better goaltender. But um, yeah, I don't know exactly how excited I really am about either, especially for this week where Buffalo doesn't have a great week. They've only got a couple games this week, as we mentioned on the waiver wire show. Not a super exciting week to be rostering anybody from a Buffalo, let alone the goalies that are probably going to split their two games this week. But I do have some interest in Devin Levi. I was checking out the 5v5 team stats over the last couple of weeks, and the Sabres are actually all the way up there in terms of both Corsi 4 percentage, scoring chance 4 percentage, all the things that I like to look at. They're top 10 in both metrics. Um, so they're definitely outplaying their opponents at even strength currently. And it'll be interesting to see if they they can kind of parlay that into some good stuff for their goaltenders. Really, the goaltenders just need to make the routine saves if the Sabres are going to play this well at even strength. So we'll see what that means, but I do have some more interest than I typically would in Sabres goaltenders just because of that fact. All right, that's going to do it for the Newsies. Blake, are you ready to do some hot shots? I was born ready, buddy. Hot shots, I mean, we're basically describing ourselves. Am I right, Nate? Absolutely. We're the hottest of the hot shots. Uh, and, and modest. So is. And very modest and as well. That's what's Exceptionally scary. modest. The most well, modest, I've many have said. Yeah. So. yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
someone who doesn't need to be modest at all currently is Sebastian Ajo. He's got three goals, 12 points in his last five games, averaging 18 minutes a night. So it's not like he's doing this on the basis of some extra work. He's just absolutely on fire now on pace for 101 points on the season is Sebastian Ajo. Underlying metrics, not all that inspiring. 192nd in shots per 60, 289th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 113th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 108 in scoring chances, 4 per 60. What do we make of this uh, hot stretch here from Ajo? What do we make of the paces on for the season? Is this a new level for Sebastian Ajo? Geez, I don't know. You know, maybe he's just extending sort of his underachieving from last year and he's balancing that out over two seasons. I don't know. But um, yeah, this is this is excellent to see. I don't think we really expected Ajo to be on a 101-point pace uh, at this point in the season. Like, he's crushing right now. Um, and a lot of that damage is being done on the power play, right? Like, he's already got 17 power play points, whereas last season, the whole season, he only had 15 so, yeah, I mean, he definitely uh, individually um, underachieved on the power play last year, and he's cooking this year. So that's excellent. But the last few games, too, who's been joining him by his side? But Andre Svechnikov, that beefer, oh, yeah. So I think that, that obviously there's some chemistry there uh, with Svechnikov. And I think, who's the other guy? Tara Vinen, I think he's playing with as well. Yeah. So. Um, that's a really nice line and they're, they're, they're firing on all cylinders right now. So, um, to me, I, I don't think we can expect 101 point pace for, for Aho moving forward. But like, if you, if you dig into his numbers a little bit, like I did this with Aho just to kind of see what the hell's going on here. And yeah, at five on five, like shots and chances are, they're all kind of in line they're they're actually down slightly from last year um but his on ice shooting percentage is much higher but yeah the power play that's where he's cooking so shots of goal per 60 are up by over three shots on the power play over last season and his on ice shooting percentage went from 13.39 last season it's 20.56 this season so yeah his team is crushing on the power play he's putting a lot of um shots towards the net so they've just really figured it out um carolina actually has a team actually has the third best shooting percentage on the power play this season so there you go. They're just behind the Rangers and the Devils. So that said, Sebastian Ajo definitely running hot. I think, you know, I, I, I don't know what I projected him for. I think it was point per game, but I, I like what I'm seeing here. I think we can we can alter that a little bit. Like I can see 90 points out of Ajo if, he, if he's able to sort of continue uh, with the consistency that he's received here with his line mates. So I don't know. Where are you at with Ajo, Nate? Yeah, I struggled to get... Uh, to 90 plus with Ajo, his metrics all look pretty in line with what he's done in previous years. It's really just the on-ice shooting percentage that's really jumped up. Now, I will say, as far as on-ice shooting percentage goes, it's more believable that he can sustain a higher on-ice shooting percentage if most of that is coming from the power play. Mm -hmm. So that part is a little bit more believable, and he could very legitimately, like last year it was a 10.7% on-ice shooting percentage. That's pretty low for a player of uh, Ajo's caliber, to be quite honest. So I can definitely see him doing more than that. But to get up to 13.7 and sustain that for a full season, I think is a little bit uh, too much to ask in my mind. So um between 80 and 90, I think, is still where I'd have him. I just checked. I projected him for 84. That still feels pretty comfortable as a rest-of-season point pace for me. I got him for 87, Nate. All right, there <laughs> All we right. go. We're right in line. 
All right, let's keep rolling. Let's talk about Alex Debrinkit. I don't know why anyone would trade this man away for somebody oh like Alex God. Ovechkin, but if you've done that, my condolences, because Alex Debrinkit is absolutely cooking at the moment. He's got 10 points in his last five games. Only two goals, though, so it's not, not quite so yeah. bad. But uh, 79th in shots per 60, 37th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 over those five games. On ice numbers, pretty solid, too. 71st in Corsi. 4 per 60, 86th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Uh, so, Blake, on the season now, Dabrinkit pacing for 38 goals, 84 points. I feel like that's not a bad place uh, to project Dabrinkit to be at. I had him projected for 37 goals and 80 points, so I feel like he's fallen pretty in line with where I figured he'd be, and the time on ice has fallen in line nicely there at about 18 and a half minutes as well. So how do we feel about Dabrinkit, and uh, do you have any regrets that you'd like to share on the air about the Ovechkin trades? No regrets ever, all right? I never regret a thing. Um, yeah, that's, it's fine. You know what? I, I drafted to on basically every team. So I still have him in three spots, <laughs> but on two of my teams, I did trade it for Alex Ovechkin, which is, is hurting me a little bit right now, but I mean, we still got 50 games. All right. So that's fine. But yeah, I'm loving what I'm seeing here. Obviously I, I'd like to see a few more goals, but I mean, this, this, uh, reunion with Patrick Kane has been a boon for, for to Like he's, um, he's playing confident out there. He's getting lots of time. He, uh, there were something that kind of put me off the brink a little bit when I was interested in trading him is his ice time was kind of all over the shop. Like he would have these weird games where they put him down on the third line and he'd play 15 minutes or something like that, or they had him on power play too. I just don't see that happening moving forward. So th that's nice. You know, that's a, that's a nice piece there for to break it. Um, he needs that deployment, right? That that's something that, yeah, like I said, it's kind of scared me off a little bit. So I'm happy he's getting the deployment, and it's all with Patrick Kane, and he's still power play one. So, um, And the metrics look good. I think point per game, I had him for 84 points as well. So, I mean, that's what he's pacing for. So if he finishes at 84 points, I'd be nice and happy with that. But, yeah, oh, I don't know if I would take back those trades. I still feel good about Alex Ovechkin, but it's, yeah, it just doesn't feel good when you're kind of on the wrong end of it at, at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as Ovechkin goes, like I, I saw something somewhere. He's had three disallowed goals this year, um, yeah. which is obviously yeah. a that lot other one. For... The other night was insane. Like, what, yeah, that, that one was crazy. Uh, yeah, didn't make any sense to me either. I, I'm still in on Ovechkin rest of the season, but um, yeah, I do think to bring it. And I told you this at the time when you made the trade. I, I don't know if I would have traded Ovechkin for Dabrinkit after the early season they both had. Um, but regardless, I, I don't think it's that far off. And I think Dabrinkit has really just fallen in line with what I expected. Kane being a boost is a good thing. Maybe he wouldn't have, have gotten there without Patrick Kane. Um, but we should talk about Kane too because he's got seven points in his last five games here with four goals. Actually averaging more time on ice, almost 19 minutes for Kane over this stretch. 32nd in shots per 60, 68th in both Corsi 4 and scoring chances 4 per 60. That's good stuff. Uh, played 13 games now and has 13 points, so on pace for 38 goals, 82 points on the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kane being here opens it just opens up more possibilities right for the lineup up and down you don't have to rely on lucas raymond to be a top line player which he may or may not still develop into but doesn't appear to be in my eyes right now and patrick kane seems to have turned back the, uh, the wheels of time a little bit here and uh yeah i think it's a it's definitely a boon 
I'm not entirely sure that all of his numbers are completely sustainable. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have this high of an IPP all season, but the mm-hmm. fact that he's getting 19 minutes a night, I was not sure that he was going to get that kind of time on ice coming off an injury like this, but clearly he put the work in. He was absolutely ready to go as soon as he got there, and that's great to see. I'm definitely on board for players making full recoveries from big injuries so good to see it from Kane and yeah I don't have a a strong reason to doubt that he can do at least 70 points and he can probably get close to this uh, point per game mark on the season yeah I love that um definitely a little bit of surprise for me with Patrick Kane that's for sure um like you said I just wasn't expecting that uh that ice time I, I had there was some someone said something funny in our discord it was like because Nick Backstrom had kind of the same issue or whatever. Um, and he said, obviously, Nick Backstrom and Patrick Kane had different surges. Because Patrick Kane comes out and he looks great. Like, I, I thought there was going to be much more of a ramp-up period for him. Like, coming back after, you know, such a long time off and the the, the uh, procedure that he had, right? But, yeah, this looks great. Um, I, I could see him maintaining this moving forward. Um, I think one of the big differences, too, is when he went to New York, they had their top six was stacked. Like it was absolutely stacked. He was just a supplement in there. But since he's gone to the Red Wings, he's one of the main pieces there. It's him to Brinkett and Larkin. Those are the main pieces. So um, he's being featured a bit more. He's getting all the offensive opportunities and he's doing something with it, right? And he's done it before. So anyway, shout out to Patrick Kane. I think, yeah, 70 points. I, I like a 70 point pace the rest of the season. That sounds pretty good. Definitely. All right, let's keep rolling. Let's talk about a pair of players in Edmonton who are playing on the Leon Dreisaitl line and helping Dreisaitl, you know, just uh, finally get some points. He just needed the boost from Warren McLovin-Fogel and Ryan McLeod to get him going. Am I right, Blake? I am McLovin! Oh, buddy. Hey, tell Wolf, I want to hear what you got to say about Warren Fogel because I know what I got to say. <laughs> well, yeah, Warren Fogel, we talked about it. Uh, we both picked him up last week because Edmonton had a great schedule and in some of the pretty competitive leagues that we play in, there's you're definitely scraping the bottom of the waiver wire. And Warren Fogel has actually always had really strong metrics. Like on the season, Warren Fogel is 18th in individual scoring chances for per 60. He's never gotten much time and he's never been much of a converter. Like even on this season, he's still got just an 8.8% shooting percentage, but it does mean that all it takes is a little bit of luck and some of these pucks to fit in in between some pads and things like that. And now all of a sudden you've got yourself a guy in Warren Fogel who's got three goals, eight points in his last five, obviously including that massive five-point game. Ryan McLeod also five goals and eight points in his last five games. They're both above 15 minutes uh, on average through the last five games, mostly obviously because of this deployment on what I guess you would call the second line uh, with Dreisaitl. Uh, Fogel's got really good underlying numbers through this stretch, 13th in shots for 60, 21st in individual scoring chances for per 60, not so much for McLeod, 262nd in shots per 60 and 229th in individual scoring chances for per 60. Um, for myself, Fogel has put himself in the streamer conversation more often from this point onward. Definitely don't think you have to hold him through a week like this where Edmonton's only got a couple games, but definitely I think I'm interested in Fogel McLeod. I'm more inclined to say this is just kind of a flash in the pan, a really good five game stretch or whatever from Ryan McLeod and it'll probably go away and we won't think about it again. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, This is so epic, though. Like, I swear, this guy won me two matchups this week. Warren Fogle. 
straight up just won me two matchups. One, I really had no business winning. All right. Uh, but Warren Fogel won it for me. So thank you for your service, my man. Oh my God, McLovin. Um, I love that so much. But yeah, what a stark difference in the metrics between these two players. Hey, like Warren Fogel. Yeah, that, there's a reason that both, both Nate and I sort of took that chance with Fogel because yeah, these metrics show out. And this is not a guy that's ever really gotten a chance to shine. Um, so I love that he's getting some top six deployment there in Edmonton. I hope it sticks because that line actually looks really good. And that makes, like you said, not, not so much of a cloud, but Fogel, a definite option for fantasy, right? He he's pumping a ton of shots on net. I think they should put him on power play one. Just, just kick Nuge out of there. Get, get him the hell out of my sight. <laughs> no, don't, don't kick Nuge, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm a, this guy might be my new favorite player at this point. When you win me matchups, like I got it, I got to give you your flowers. And I'm, I'm such a big fan of this man, but I do think, yeah, like his, his numbers aren't crazy high. Like even in his, his last five games here, he's shooting 17.7%, which is high for him, very high for him, but it's not that high overall. You know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. if you look at Ryan McLeod, who has five goals in the last five games, he's shooting 71%, right? <laughs> so which one of these is going to stick? You know, I think Fogel actually has a chance to continue the production, whereas McLeod is most likely going to fall off a cliff. So anyways, yeah, I had to drop Fogel in both spots. I, that killed me, actually, because like, yeah. thank you very much. Now get the hell off my team. I cannot in good conscience hold you, but I did pick him up in my bangers league. Just, just you know, just for respect. You know, just respect <laughs> that, man. So there you go. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, if we are going to look for somebody else, you know, we have a friend of the show, Vinny Tro, who's done a little audio clip for us. Uh, I think uh, if oh we can get God. Warren Fogel to say, I am McLovin, I think my life would be complete at that point. You know what? Yeah, we, that's that's it. That's the answer. That's the pinnacle. Once that happens, I mean, we might as well just go off the air, right? right? Let's go out on top. You, you down, Nate? Actually, I don't know if I, could, I can't quit this. I'm addicted. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Gustav Nyquist is addicted as well. He's addicted to scoring points on what the top line and top power play. That was pretty good. I was yeah, I was happy no, with that one. You're that on was, fire. Yeah, I think we should just take a minute and really kill it dead right now and, and just really acknowledge yeah. how terrific of a segue that was. Yeah, All right. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Nyquist, four goals, seven points in his last five games, 18 and a half minutes time on ice. He's been doing this for a hot minute now on pace for 60 points on the season. The underlying metrics are not good and have really not been great all season long, but he is getting great deployment, exposure to great players. His on-ice numbers on the season are actually the most interesting thing, like 48th in on-ice scoring chances, 4 per 60. Uh, and that's really where this is coming in for Gustav Nyquist. I don't think he's at a stage in his career where he's going to drive play. Uh, you know, his individual metrics are in the 200s as far as the ranks go, both in the last five games and on the season. So I don't think that's really exciting, but he is definitely still a player who can put up points and put up fantasy points for us when exposed to guys like Philip Forsberg, Ryan O'Reilly, Roman Yossi, both on the top line and top power play. So, uh, yeah, Nyquist just really feeling like a very comfortable streamer to me at this point. I don't know that I'm really holding him through bad weeks, but I think you can. Like, if you have other options that you need to get off your roster and Nyquist is a guy that you're like, ah, he's more of a streamer, but I kind of need to hold him this week because I got other priorities, then I don't think you're going to feel that bad about that either. 
Yeah, it's it's been a nice surprise. And I, I think you nailed it uh, right on the head there. Is It's just this access to guys that are cooking right now. Like Philip Forsberg is having a great season. His, his Philip Forsberg's underlying metrics are elite this season. And this guy has access to it, right? He's playing on the top line, top power play with Forsberg. And then you throw Yossi in there. Like, yeah, these are two of the best, like, Two guys that we just love here at Apple and Geno's because of what they what they got going on under the hood, right? Um, but yeah, this is uh, he he was on a forty three point pace last year, sixty point pace this year. That's excellent, all with sustainable numbers, right? His, his shooting, his shooting percentage. Um, you know, he's doing doing stuff on the power play, ten power play points for Nyquist here. So he's definitely landed in a good spot here in Nashville. And yeah, I've I've had him at many points during the season. Um, but yeah, streamer, I, I don't think I'm holding this player um, at this point, just again with the underlying metrics that he currently has. But it's great that he has access to that. For sure. Let's talk about a defenseman here who has been absolutely on fire since coming back from injury. Seven points, including a goal in his last four games for Sean Dersey, averaging about 23 minutes a night, 22nd in shots per 60, which has not really been a feature of Dersey's game so far in his NHL career. And the on-ice numbers are pretty solid too, 66th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 38th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Now pacing for 17 goals, 57 points on the season. This is not something that I had on my bingo card, and really it's coming through on his IPP and on well really it's all the luck metrics have yeah. trended up and it's kind of a little bit hard to tell because Jersey has never had a uh, chance really like this to really go off in a, in a top, uh, top defenseman billing right and we haven't really been able to see that I was more inclined to think that his lower efficiency stats from the Kings would carry over, but it seems like he may have just kind of ascended to a different level here. I do think that the 14.1% on ice shooting percentage is definitely going to come down and the shooting percentage is going to come down as well. But the shots per 60 trending in the right direction as of late, like, um, yeah, things are looking up for Sean Jersey on the season. While I may disbelieve in the 57-point pace, like, uh, I would say that he's trending to outperform what I thought was possible for him this year. Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that player uh, other than, yeah, like, this guy could be a sell-high. Like, this could be a nice sell-high moment for Sean Jersey because, yeah, 57 points for Jersey, I don't think that's happening, right? His shooting percentage, 11.1 on the season, that's going to go down. Um, it doesn't, I, I doubt it would stay that high, right? Um, he's getting more deployment, um, and he's shooting a little bit more as well. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's a nice little stretch for him, but maybe you can maximize on some value on this player. Right. Um, cause I know he's sort of a hot, he was like a, a hot commodity at the beginning of the season. People wanted to get this guy as sort of a sleeper and, um, yeah, he's really sort of proven his metal here. It's nice that he gets the top power play there in Arizona as well. I know there were some questions going into the year, but it looks like it's his show to run until it's done. Uh, he's also really good at blocking as well. So just for your for your category leagues, like he does do that. But I don't know. Maybe you can get off Jersey and get a little bit of value. I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely in support of that. Uh, if people are thinking this is what Jersey is, then I think there's probably a little bit of regression coming yet. So definitely can support that take. Uh, lastly here, Jake Wallman, I want to shout out three goals, four points in his last four games, averaging 20 minutes a night, 32nd in shots per 60, 59th in individual scoring chances, four per 60, on ice numbers are okay, 
92nd in Corsi, 4 per 60, 79th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. This is not a guy who really gets power play time or any uh, major exposure to the top players except at 5v5. But, um, man, Jake Wallman pacing for 22 goals on the season. Who would have thought? Uh, what do we do with a guy who's, again, similar to Dursey, showing out both in goal scoring and in the blocks category? This is a weird one. It's I, I don't think you can add Jake Wallman and just expect what we've seen. I think that's kind of a fool's, you know, like that's just hoping for something. That's chasing performances, right? Um, what's better is if you just had Jake Wallman and he's crushing for you while he was on your roster. You know what I mean? I, I just don't see how he's going to continue this. Like he's shooting less than he did last year. He's getting less scoring chances than he did last year. Um, you know, his minutes are, he, he's, they're, they're reasonable, but they're they're basically third line, uh, third pairing minutes. So I don't know. I, imagine if he got twenty two goals though. Like <laughs> he he might he just seems like a like you said the luck metrics. Like he's extremely lucky. He's shooting fourteen point eight percent on the season. That's not going to hold. So yeah, I don't know. What do you have Walman anywhere? I don't know. I've streamed him at various points and let him go again. Um, yeah, I think. You pretty much hit the nail on the head. Wellman, a guy you can stream, uh, definitely like a decent shot producer, and I don't discount that, and definitely a guy who can contribute to blocks as well, but I don't think he's like a rest of season hold uh, just based on this early production. All right, we'll keep moving. I did want to shout out Brent Burns, but we're running out of time. I will just say Brent Burns, a guy that I've been campaigning for. He's got five points in his last five games here. Three shots, four shots, five shots, one shot, but three assists, and then four shots in his last five here. So Brent Burns starting to turn things around. Maybe they're finally totally done with Tony D'Angelo, and Brent Burns can just uh, actually skate 22 minutes a night like he's been averaging in this stretch and be on the top power play, and we can all be happy again. So that's my, that's my wish uh, for the season here. All right, before we get into the have-nots, I have to take one minute and ask if you would be so kind. If you are watching on YouTube, give us a quick like and subscribe. That helps us out. Trying to hit a 1,000 subscribers. If you could do that for us, we would be much obliged. Ratings and reviews if you're on audio, uh, if you're listening on podcasts somewhere. We did get another review in the Christmas break here. This is from Joey Saul. Super Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Learn which NHL players are due for point production or decline by listening to A&G cover several underlying metrics that indicate a player's current level of sustainability. That is exactly what we do here on Apples and Genos. And glad that it is being noticed. So if you would be so kind as to leave a rating and or review such as that, we would be eternally grateful and we'll read them out here on the podcast for sure. All right, Blake, you ready for some have-nots? I'm going to do my best. All right, I'm about to break into a massive coughing fit, but, uh, you know, I'm going to go until the wheels fall off. That's how we do. All right. Well, let's talk about a couple of Washington Capitals to kick it off. Tom Wilson, Evgeny Kuznetsov, both zero points in their last five games. Uh, we talked about them. Well, we talked about Kuznetsov a little bit more. Wilson, obviously, rostered in many more leagues than Kuznetsov currently. Kuznetsov got pushed down the lineup for a bit there 
really seemed like they were kind of just done with him. And then in the last game, they moved Kuznetsov back up. He was on the top line with Strom and Ovechkin. And I believe I saw a tweet. I'm just going to try to verify this. Uh, yeah, the latest as of today here on Monday, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Wilson is the top line in practice. So they're moving things around. Uh, if they're done with Kuznetsov, you'd think that they'd try to get him going and try to get a little trade value up for him and try to get him out of town. Um, that would be the most logical situation in my mind. Um, but yeah, we'll see what they do. Kuznetsov, his minutes did come way back up in that last game, skating on the top line once again and on the top power play. So they have moved things around once again there. We'll see what happens this week, but I'm just so disinterested in Kuznetsov. Uh, like, it has to be a pretty deep league, and I have to be in dire straits this week, which you might be. Like, to be fair, I have looked at Kuznetsov in in some leagues this week just because of this uh, top-line deployment now, top power play deployment, and because of the schedule for this week where it's, like, impossible to fit anybody in because of the polarization in the schedule where you have such heavy, heavy nights and such light, light nights. So there really aren't that many options. So I'm not going to argue with you if you're in a deeper format or a really sharp league where there are not a lot of options and kuznetsov literally is the best option out there but like 371st in shots per 60 378th in individual scoring chances four per 60 345 in Corsi four per 60 340 in scoring chances four per 60 this is a guy who's going through the motions out on the ice right now um i don't know what to make of that maybe playing with ovechkin That'll get him going. I don't really know. I can't be too excited about it, and I can't promise anything uh, from Kuznetsov. So I'm pretty much out, uh, unless you really have to stream him this week, and there's really nobody even on Anaheim. Like, put it to you this way, Blake. Is Genny Kuznetsov for the three off-night games this week or Ryan Strom? Ooh. Um, I think you got to go Ryan Strom there because he has the dual eligibility. You really do, but... I mean, I picked up Kuznetsov in a couple spots. Um, my couple league, I picked him up because it's just slim pickings there. There yeah. really was no options. It was either him or like, you know, maybe Nino Niederreiter, who is still a good option. But I mean, Kuznetsov's recent deployment is kind of what got me to pick him. I was like, okay, if he's going to get on the top line again, like, let's see what happens. But what the hell happened to this man? It's, this is, you know, everyone talks about guys like, you know, Huberdo and, you know, even Kachuk to some degree, but like, not that, not that uh, Kuznetsov was some world beater, but I mean, three seasons ago, he had 78 points in 79 games and 55 last year. Now he's on a 30 point pace. That stinks. He's only 31. So it, it's, it's really kind of hard to see. Like you said, it's a player kind of going through the motions and uh, obviously he's out of favor with the coach there. Like he's, he's not getting deployed. Like th there's something going on in Washington um, that reminds me very much of what's going on in Calgary currently right? Like it's, it's hard to put your finger on, but players just are not performing the way they should. And, you know, it must be something to do with the system or what's going on in the room. I don't even know, but uh, yeah, that all said, I mean, Tom Wilson, I don't really have a ton of concerns about because I don't have a, a really high expectations of Tom Wilson, right? Like 
Um, what, you know, he's pacing right now for something like what, 50, 43 points, just like his number. I, I mean, I could see 50 point. I would like to see 50 points from Tom Wilson. So I need, he's got to, he's got to pull up his socks a little bit, but the metrics don't look terrible for Tom Wilson. Like he's doing all right. Um, just not scoring currently, but no one is on the capitals, but yeah, Kuznetsov stinks. Dang. 371st in shots and goal per 60, but what? No, that's like, what are you doing? He's just. He's doing that like shootout move, but in the game, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like just, he's just getting trucked. So anyways, um, I did pick up Kuznetsov cause I think, you know, this week, if you're going to pick him up, it would be the week. Right. Um, but there's nothing really underlying that's telling me that he's going to start popping off anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. I feel similarly, obviously about Kuznetsov and about Wilson as well. 7.6% on ice shooting percentage on the season for Tom Wilson. That should get him above the 43 point pace that he's on currently when that regresses. And I do believe it will regress positively for him. So I do think that Tom Wilson has upside to like maybe even 55 points. Um, But you're talking about a player that probably has a limited upside as well in this current iteration of the Washington team. Let's move on. Talk about Brandon Hagel. Two assists in his last five games here. Still skating 20 minutes a night, so it's not like he's not out there. Now pacing for 22 goals, 65 points on the season. Never been a guy who has terrific underlying metrics on the season. 209th in shots per 60. 116th in individual scoring chances for per 60, which I mean is nothing to write home about, but at least it's respectable. But 202nd in on-ice Corsi 4 per 60 and 143rd in scoring chances 4 per 60. And that's while he's played like most of the season on a 5v5 line with Kucherov, who's obviously been lighting the world on fire. Mm-hmm. So that's really not impressive stuff from Brandon Hagel. Now in this last game, he got they mashed their lines around a little bit. Braden Point, Nicholas Paul, Brandon Hagel was the line. So... That's a little bit uh, disconcerting. He hasn't made it onto top power play really at any point this season. Nick Paul's really nailed that spot down. I uh, Yeah, it's hard to be excited about Hagel, but I still feel like as long as he's getting 19, 20 minutes a night, he's going to pace for like 20, 25 goals, 60, 65 points um, because it's still Tampa Bay. It's still a great environment, even down the lineup a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts, Blake? Yeah, I echo a lot of that. I mean, it's he hasn't been able to take advantage of the opportunities that he's had. I mean, he's top six in Tampa, right? Which is a you know they're pretty much an offensive wagon, right? And they and he he's had chances on the power play here and there, but yeah, like you said, Nick Paul's sort of taken that role and and not really let it go. Um, I think Hagel, we expect more from Hagel for some reason. I don't know. Like he did get thirty goals, and there was a stretch last year where. He really, he was a top line player and he was getting well over 20 minutes each night and he was getting power play one, wasn't really doing a ton with it, but I feel like, and maybe this is just me, but there's this expectation that Hagel is like this point per game player and he's the next thing in Tampa Bay. And I'm here to tell you folks, it's, it's not right. Um, He's, he's second line, second power play at best. So yeah, he's pacing again for 65 points. And I think that's reasonable. Like 60 to 65 points is probably where Brandon Hagel is going to land, but yeah, it's just players like this with the low shot count or the low shot value and the low uh, scoring chances. Like, we're just not into this. And if you're not power play one with amazing deployment, like, I don't know. I'm not into it. If I had this guy on my roster, like, you can't exactly drop him. You wouldn't drop him, but it's it's probably just a super disappointment, right? It's like, ah, I wish I didn't draft this guy, right? Like, this is not a guy we were in on at the beginning of the season, was it, Nate? 
No, definitely wasn't. I mean, that's a guy that you expect to get points by virtue of volume and by virtue of playing next to good players. And when he's not playing next to good players, when he's playing down the lineup, he's not going to get those points. But he is still, in my mind, the most logical player to play alongside Kucherov and point at even strength. And I do still anticipate that most of the rest of the season, that's where he'll be. Uh, but definitely things are going to vary from game to game. And you're probably going to be a little bit upset with Hagel from time to time on your team like you might be over this last recent stretch here. All right, let's talk about another player, Trevor Moore. He does have a couple goals, but no assists. So just the two points in his last five here. Uh, skating close to 20 minutes a night. Uh, 58th in shots per 60, but 177th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. On ice numbers, pretty solid. 15th in Corsi, 4 per 60. 56th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Now pacing for 42 goals, but 65 points on the season is Trevor Moore, averaging 17 and a half minutes a night on the season. What's the take on Trevor Moore from you here, Blake? It's definitely not a level of goal scoring that we've ever seen from this player, but he is also playing more minutes and uh, with better players than he has in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, he's definitely getting prioritized a little bit more, and I love that. I mean, there there are players who take a hit by playing for the LA Kings, you know what I mean? Because they don't get enough deployment, but this is a player who gets an advantage by playing for LA because he gets more deployment, even, even though he's on the second or third line. Right. Um, and plus like we love Trevor Moore's metrics. I mean, yeah, he's had a, a little bit of a colder stretch here in the last little bit, but uh, I mean, on the season, this guy's 30th overall in shots of over 60, 45th in individual course. four. that's, that's awesome. That's what we're looking for. This guy's, you know, he's, he's throwing pucks at the net and he's, he's pretty damn slick too. Like he scored some, some real beauties, like up, you know, top cheese in tight. Like this is, this is what this guy does. He's a really good player. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I just wanted to bring attention to him because again, like these metrics show like a player that is, that is doing kind of what we want to see. He's just not really converting at the rate we want to see it. So I think that, um, this, this could, I think he could do a lot better than what he's doing here. I think, um, his line mates obviously got to contribute a little bit more. We got to get that on ice shooting percentage up, but 17 goals so far, that's a 42 goal pace. I, I could see Trevor Moore getting 35 to 40 goals this year. Um, I'd love to see it actually, but yeah, it, it's probably true. Like it maybe 65, 65 points. Um, but yeah, I just made a trade for Trevor Moore actually in one of my leagues where I was really low on right wingers and I, it's a points league. So there's no, um, I think it's like a cup full scoring ish with the uh, hits and blocks. And I traded him straight up for Pavel Buchnevich. All right. Because I had a glut of centers um, and Buchnevich's center left wing. But I don't know. What do you think of that, Nate? Trevor Moore straight up for Pavel Buchnevich. I know I'm, I'm losing some, some top line deployment stuff there, but I don't know. I like the diamond in the rough more. What do you think? Yeah. I'd take Buchnevich there pretty comfortably uh, for myself. I think that Trevor Moore, I like just going back to look at his metrics. So last year he skated 16.59 a night for LA this year, 17.26. So it's less than half a minute more. It feels like more than that, but it's less than that on the whole. But he is playing with Kevin Fiala uh, yeah. alongside 
Philip Deneau this year, which is a big upgrade in my opinion from he had Victor Arvidsson there for a good chunk of the year last year, but obviously Arvidsson has constantly been in and out of the lineup, so maybe not the same consistency that he's developed with Fiala this year. The shots per 60 have really come up for Moore this year, which is the most encouraging thing, up to 11.15 on the season. Last year was his previous career high at 9.76, so that's a good sign. But the fact remains that Trevor Moore is not a guy who generates really good individual scoring chance for numbers, and that's usually an indication that a lower shooting percentage is in order. And right now he's at a 15.9% shooting percentage, which is actually pretty high uh, amongst most players. Trevor Moore, in a anything resembling a full season, has never shot better than 11.4% in a single season. And like last year, it was 6.1. The year before that, 8.4. Um, go back to his Toronto days, and he was in the sevens. Like, uh, it's just not a player who's typically shown himself to be an efficient shooter. And so I'm pretty wary of this close to 16% shooting percentage that he's showing us on the season. Maybe, you know, the sweet Viala passes are, are really helping him out and being on the ice with a player of that caliber is really helping him out and he can sustain a higher shooting percentage this year. But even still, um, you might expect it to be more in like a 12-13 range than a 15-16 range. So I do think regression's coming for him there. He's also got a higher on-ice shooting percentage than usual. That's being offset or, well, actually it's being amplified currently, but uh, the potential regression there is being offset by the fact that his Corsi 4 per 60 is way up this year and his scoring chances 4 per 60 on ice are also up this year. So uh, good signs overall for Moore. I think like 60 points is definitely a range that I can see him getting to. Definitely the 42 goal is not going to sustain as a pace for the rest of the season. I see him probably more like a 25 to 30 goal pace rest of season personally so that's my take on more uh definitely an interesting player player i love like <laughs> going back to his Tor toronto days he had uh in the playoffs he laid out zidane ochara in one hey in one there game. you go that'll and do it he's like five eight five nine and obviously char is the biggest player to ever play uh so yeah lots of heart in that guy <laughs> and i can't help but root for him every time i see him doing well i'm happy for him but uh yeah if i'm if i'm a betting man and i kind of have to be in this business i'll take the under on most of these things continuing for the rest of the season well i don't like it sir right. that's, <laughs> that's, that's where i'm at with that but that's fine all right, let's keep rolling. Pavel Zaka, just one goal, no, no assists in his last five games. 18 and a half minutes average time on ice. The underlying metrics here are just atrocious for Zaka. 306th in shots per 60, 296th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 286th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 334th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. That is kind of hard to believe uh, for mm. a player like Zaka playing alongside David Pasternak, both at even strength and on the top power play. Uh, clearly some things not working so hot for Zaka at the moment. Pacing for 23 goals, 56 points on the season is Pavel Zaka. And honestly, that's pretty much where I had him. 23 goals, 59 points was my projection uh, for the start of the season. So it feels a little bit like this is just some regression and a cold stretch. There was some injury stuff with Zaka. I can't remember the specifics um, just at the moment here, but um, you have to wonder with the metrics being that bad, if there's something lingering on that's uh, hampering him somewhat. That would be my biggest concern because, um, you know, 
similar to a guy like Gustav Nyquist that we talked about. This is a player that I'm really most excited about the fact that he's getting exposure to Pasternak. I'm not all that excited about the player himself. He's good enough to get the points that we need for fantasy while playing with those players, but realistically, his value to us is completely tied to his deployment alongside a talent like Pasternak. I don't know if you do disagree with that, Blake, but uh, let me know. No, definitely not. Um, the players like that never feel good to roster. I, I don't like betting on that. I like a guy that drives his own offense or is able to sort of create his own, right? Um, and yeah, we knew that from the start with Zaka, but it is a little bit shocking that he's not able to do more with one of the best, like most prolific goal scorers that play the game today, right? Like what's going on? Um, these numbers are atrocious. So um, that said, I, I don't have Zaka anywhere. He, what did we say he was rostered at? Like 48 or something like that now on Yahoo. Is that right? So somewhere in that range. Yep. Yeah. I, I feel like you kind of got to roll with them. Like, I will, who would you take like Pavel Zaka or Charlie Coyle? Like Coyle has actually been able to like put up some decent numbers. I I'm not looking at it right in front of me who has more points. I, um, I think Zaka does, but. 22 yeah i mean who would you take out of the, the centers there like who should be who should be rocking with pasta right now because i think they go with zaka because he has history there yeah so coyle's got three goals and two assists in his last three games so he's definitely getting the points Dang. here uh he's up to 26 points on the season while zach is at 22 uh, i would still take zaka pretty comfortably i i just don't know that i'm that excited about charlie coyle at any point, he did make his way onto the top power play. Yep. Um, and he's playing with Marchand and DeBrusque, which is a good line as well. Um, but I think I'm still taking Zaka. Let me check out. Now that now that you mention it. Yeah, let we got to do out. it, everyone. All right, that's what we let do. Let me check out the underlying process. metrics. Yeah, they're just as bad as Zaka. The underlying metrics for Coil. Um, yep. It's There's nothing exciting under the hood here, which I didn't expect. Coil has been the same player for quite some time. Um, just getting more exposure to better players this year, and that's driving some additional point production. I, yeah, I still think I'm taking Zaka. I think the ceiling is higher, and I think that he's more likely to be tied to Pasternak uh, for the rest of the season, more likely to stay on the top power play as well. So I'll take Zaka, but yeah, I mean, they're not players that you get super excited about. They're players yeah. that, um, yeah. They're just occupying space on your roster, basically, right? So, yeah. All right. Let's keep rolling. Unfortunately, we have to talk about Naples and Gino's favorite in Kirill Marchenko. Zero points in his last five games, averaging over 17 minutes a night. Underlying metrics are puzzlingly taking a major dip of late 212th in shots per 60, 238th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 103rd in Corsi, 4 per 60, 172nd in on-ice scoring chances, 4 per 60. So this is doubly puzzling because his line mate, Yukar Chinnikov, has kind of been going off for the last little bit, and it seems like uh, Marchenko, outside of that one game, where he had the hat trick has really not been able to capitalize. So uh, overall, I still believe in the player. I think it's a cold stretch and the yep. cold stretch will eventually turn back. But, you know, you have to wonder uh, at this point, he's on a 30 goal, 48 point pace for the season. It's not uh, obviously a terrific situation in Columbus. All things considered, Wierenski is out for injury for the next little bit here. That lowers the offensive ceiling of the team once again um 
Yeah, I mean, he is on the top power play with his normal line weights, Vronkov and Shinikov and Johnny Gaudreau. So he is getting that deployment, which is still good. Uh, but really, I don't think Marchenko is more than a streamer at the current moment, unless you think differently, Blake. Oh, that must that must kill you, Nate. That that's you know. I'm sorry. Um, I just I was surprised when I was looking up some players here. I'm like, oh yeah, Marchenko. Yeah, he's he's really not been doing anything as of late. So definitely just a cold stretch. It, it feels like um, other lines have been getting it done for for Columbus. Like Gaudreau has been playing a little bit better. Um, Adam Fantilli's put some points on the board, right? So, um, but yeah, it's it's it is kind of puzzling. I don't know. Maybe you'll get some questions about it tomorrow. Puzzling players. Or I don't know. Are you doing puzzling players? Oh, God. I just, I, I don't know what I'm doing right now. But uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Are you doing your puzzling players tomorrow? No, there won't be puzzling players this week. I'll go. be back next week. Yeah, I'm struggling to make it through this one. Yeah. My, no. uh, my throat condition, whatever this is that's going through. Uh, but yeah. We'll get back to that next week, and definitely I expect we'll have a lot of good puzzling players for that one. Well, Blake, we've made it to the end of the have-nots list, and that means that it's time for Under the Hood, where we talk about some players that have been performing really well in the underlying metrics that we like to look at here and talk about what we might want to see to really make that those underlying metrics take off and have them be super rosterable. Typically, what this is, is we'll see a player who has great underlying metrics, and then we just want them to get more ice time, and that is exactly the case with this player, Cole Perfetti, averaging under 13 minutes a game through his last five games, still has managed to put up three assists. He's sixth in the league in shots per 60, 14th in individual scoring chances, four per 60, fifth in on-ice Corsi, four per 60, 45th in on-ice scoring chances, four per 60. Uh, on the season, pacing for 23 goals, 54 points, averaging 14 and a little over a quarter minutes per night. Uh, I mentioned this last week that he's getting bonused here a little bit that uh, you mentioned it might be a rite of passage in in Winnipeg that they uh, just have to play these terrible, terrible minutes, even though they're really good. Uh, I think Cole Perfetti is really good, uh, quite honestly. I think that, you know, even if you go back further over the last 10 games, 23rd in shots per 60, 25th in individual scoring chances for per 60. On the season now versus last year, he's up 2.4 shots per 60. He's up 5.4 on ice Corsi 4 per 60. Those are good like steps that you want to see from an ascending player, right? Young player taking the next step. That's exactly what you want to see. Um, and he's been an efficient player like in his career in the two seasons prior that he'd played parts of before this year, 76% career IPP. And this year he's got just a 70 or a 66%. So 10% off his career IPP on the season. That's still netting him 54 points despite, uh, yeah, just over 14 minutes a night. So all things considered, I really do think that we might have something in Cole Perfetti. The individual numbers the last little bit are even more surprising. Like, I don't know if Cole Perfetti is really going to be like an elite goal scorer at any point. I think maybe he does live in this like 25-ish goal range for most of his career. But I do think that he does tilt the ice. And I do think that he can be a guy who eventually gets up to, um, yeah, maybe like 70, 75, even 80 points, um, mostly assists. Like he might be the good version of Casey Middlestat that everyone seems to oh, think exists. No. Oh. <laughs> hey, FYI, everybody, Nate picked up Casey Middlestat. All right, last uh, week, and you probably won with him too, didn't you, Nate? Come on, be honest. Uh, 
I did pick up Casey Middlestat. He did actually get a goal, which was uh, kind of shocking. Uh, he yeah, does again, that. He sometimes, does. you know, you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel, like I said, in <laughs> these leagues, and you have to even pick up a Casey Middlestat. But, uh, yeah. Uh, all that to say, I'm interested in Cole Perfetti. I think that if he does get into a situation, like, heaven forbid, but Mark Shifley goes down to injury, and suddenly Cole Perfetti is line one, power play one, as the top center there between, like, Eulers and Velarde, or Eulers and Connor, maybe. Um, who knows what those lines will be at that point, but in a situation like that, hypothetical situation like that, I think Perfetti would be an absolute priority uh, because the underlying metrics here look really good. What are your thoughts on Perfetti, Blake? Yeah, I'd love to see these numbers, and I agree with everything he said. I I, I temper expectations with Perfetti only because of, of the deployment, right? Uh, obviously what he's getting, but also his chance to get more. I just don't see I like how that's going to happen. Uh, especially this season, unless there's injuries, uh, more injuries, right? But obviously they've got their top line. is is cooking pretty good. They haven't been doing too well the last three games, Velarde, Ehlers, and uh, Shifley, but I don't see any big changes coming there. We know what Bonus did with Ehlers, right? And other players, like kind of capping them by not really getting them out there uh, in spots to succeed. So I'm just trying to think too, like they've locked up Shifley. They got Ehlers for, for more time. They got Velarde, like even next year, like is does Perfetti walk into a role where he's now getting 18 to 20 minutes? Like I actually, I just don't see that happen happening unless he really pops off at, at, you know, for a stretch here this season and kind of makes it like forces the coach's hand, but I just don't see him getting that opportunity. And that sucks because yeah, everything you said holds water. This guy is like a, he's a legit player. I think he's really talented and uh, I'd love it if they just give him some more minutes. I mean, it sounds simple, but get the guy on the ice. What are you doing? Mom's spaghetti. It's delicious. <laughs> All right. I did want to throw out one honorable mention here just because I did talk about him last week and I feel like I didn't do the player justice. So in the waiver wire episode, talking about whether to drop Dylan Cousins, I just want to highlight that Cousins has actually had a really good stretch of play here over the last 10 games, 21st in shots per 68th in individual scoring chances, four per 60 across the entire league. Now, if you look at his season long under the hood individual numbers, it's pretty much identical to last year, which was obviously his big breakout season long on ice numbers look better actually than last year. Really what's holding them back is the 8.1% on ice shooting percentage last year. That was 12.5% and also shooting 6.3% versus 14.7% last year i don't know if he's going to get all the way back to those numbers from last year those might have been high watermarks it might be hard for him to get all the way back there but i do think that uh, cousins is demonstrating something to us he had a extended cold stretch to start the year but i do think that there are better days ahead i wonder if he can take back the top power play from casey middlestat that would be really the step that would see him take off but um yeah, he's probably rostered in your leagues, but if somebody's dropping Dylan Cousins this week because of the poor schedule, then I would be interested in picking him up because I do think that this is a player with the talent level to potentially pop off the rest of the way and get on a big heater. All right, Blake, we got to get into move of the week. Why don't you lead us off? All right. Um, yeah, I had, uh, you know, this really isn't even a hard for me to say. Um, first off, it was a, a garbage streaming week. So uh, in most of my leagues, I decided to spend, uh, you know, th two to three moves right off the bat to, to sort of maximize games played and suffocate the opponents. And I grabbed that beauty, McLovin. Warren Fogel. Oh, God. Yeah. This man basically won me my match on two separate teams. So thank you for that. I mean, it was... There was luck involved for sure, right? But 
I mean, the process was there, right? We we talked about this guy, Nate, and, and the metrics that he brings, and even in this episode, so we're not going to go through that. But um, yeah, it, like it, it's just opportunity and luck, you know, melding together and this guy popped off for a five point game is really great. So, um, but that said too, like, um, I maxed out my moves on pretty much every team. And I think that's a really good sort of strategy to do when you have such a crappy streaming week, unless, you know, like we talked about on the waiver show, you don't want to do like one game player streams, right? Maybe one game goalie streams makes more sense. Right. Um, but yeah, it, unless you're picking players up early, it's going to be slim pickings by Tuesday or Wednesday. So that's, that's my two cents there. Shout out to Warren Fogle. Love you, McLovin. Absolutely. Can't argue with that for myself. Um, it's a pretty, pretty tame one this week, but I did go ahead and pick up Nico Dawes, uh, at three something AM this morning in Kakupful specifically. Uh, it's a deeper league, 14 team league. Banachek has been awful. Um, like pretty much all season at this point he's i saw i forget exactly what the metric was one of these uh one of these sites that tries to quantify goalie performance and uh, by their metric uh vitek vanacek was the second worst goalie in the league this year right behind Ilya samsonov so if that gives you any indication of how poor he's been playing uh, it's not been good that's for sure so the reason that this is a little bit interesting, this pickup, is I was looking for a goalie um, because of the heavy nights this week that we talked about. We have so many heavy nights this week. Heavy nights are super heavy. Three heavy nights that are all, I think, 12 games. What was it? 12 games or more. Yeah. And then the light nights are very light. So you have these crazy heavy nights. And in Cupful, you know, all these Anaheim, Washington streamers are long gone. People are picking them up like midweek last week. They're definitely not there if you're picking them up on Monday. So in this situation, uh, I'm looking at what I can do to really maximize games played. And realistically, a couple of games from a goaltender is probably the best streaming option that I have. And with Dawes, I feel like I at least have the possibility of it being more. And that's what I want to drive home, especially for the Zero-G folks out there who've been following, um, obviously, the strategy and didn't spend a lot of draft capital. These are the kinds of plays that you want to make. You pick up a guy like Dawes. I think there's a pretty solid chance he gets two starts this week. And they, like, I just don't know why they'd trot Vanacek back out there at this point, <laughs> uh, basically. They do have a back-to-back -back this week, so he'll play, uh, Vanacek will obviously play that. Um, but I would kind of expect that Dawes gets his first game against the Capitals and then gets one of the two games against the Blackhawks or Canucks. So I'm kind of playing, it's obviously a little bit of a shot that I'm taking here that he is actually going to play those games, but I wanted to get ahead of the competition and potentially get ahead of a goalie that, you know, if he gets on a hot streak for a team like the Devils, like this could really be uh, just a zero G like league winner type situation. So um, that's how I'm playing these types of situations. A lot of people come to me and they're like, yeah, but my league is so deep i can't find these goaltenders i think you can i think you just gotta try a little harder and be a little bit more proactive maybe you're gonna miss some shots but you're gonna find these guys uh, if you're willing to wait and you're willing to stay patient so that's my takeaway from the move of the week uh blake i don't know do you want to do this next segment here or do you want to no i don't i don't want to do it nate you son of a gun you oh my god so smug so damn smug 
I have to be when I'm currently writing. Uh, let me just count this up. I have to. Oh yeah, there's a lot to count up here. It's one, two, oh, three, four Lord. week uh, winning streak that I'm on in the head-to-head -head streamer death match. That brings us to six and five. You're still in the lead on the season, so I'll give you that. Yeah. I mean, you got an assist from Josh the one week, uh, but we'll give it to you still. You're still up six to five. Um, but That's yeah, Quint. Quentin Byfield uh, absolutely went off this week with 7.25 kickup full points oh in three Lord. games. But it was enough to take down your pick of Josh Norris, who, uh, yeah, did absolutely nothing. 5.5 kickup full points in his three games. So this week we got my Dylan Strom versus your Blake Coleman. I guess we'll see how it goes. We'll, uh, we'll have to stay tuned and see who i mean can we already write it in at this point no like this the... is a lock blake the snake coleman <laughs> it's a lock nate it's a lock all right well that's all we got for this episode hopefully it brought you some value helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today all the advanced stats you heard today came from natural statric which is a terrific free resource Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for this podcast be sure to check out their spotify as well that's it folks much love